This parrot continues to discuss the deadlines for particular nadorim, and we already learnt the rule that if something does not have a fixed amount of time that it lasts, then we assume that somebody only wants to accept the nether upon himself until the beginning of that time and not until the end of that time. And therefore, if somebody makes a nether adagashomim until the rains, or achayiyuagashomim until it will be the rains, so it's until the beginning of the rains. We don't wait until the end of the rain season until the end of the winter, rather it's until the beginning. However, since he said Geshomim in the plural, that implies that he only wants to end the neder at the second rain. Not at the first one, because then he would have said the singular. Not at the end of the entire rainy season, because he doesn't know how long that will last. But rather at the second rain. He is forbidden until the second rain falls down. However, says he is forbidden until the regular estimated time for the second rain arrives. So we don't wait until the actual rain comes down, because again, that's not a fixed time. So we assume that he does he wants to forbid himself until a known time. So even though it's true that he talked about the rain itself, he didn't say until the time of the rain, he said until the rain itself. Nevertheless, because we assume that his intention is to forbid himself only for a known amount of time, he is forbidden until the estimated time of the second rain. Alright, what happens if he says until the rains stop? So here it means until the end of the rainy season. Otherwise he'd be forbidden forever, because it might rain even in the summer once or twice. What does it mean the rain stops? It means the rainy season is considered over. So when is the rainy season considered over? According to the first opinion, until the entire month of Nisan has ended, that is the opinion of Rabbi Meir. And indeed, Rabbi Meir in Masechus Tanis holds that we ask for rain in Shemona Esrei, we say the Saint Halumatar, until the end of Nisan. However, Rabbi Yehuda says that Yavra Pesach, he's only forbidden until the end of Pesach, that's when the rainy season is considered to be over. And indeed, this is consistent with Rabbi Yehuda's opinion in Masechus Tanis, that we stop asking for rain at Pesach. Now we learned at the beginning of this parak that if somebody makes a neder for this year, so he is forbidden until the end of the year, and then when it comes to the first day of Tishrei, Rosh Hashanah, that is considered to be the next year and he is permitted. Now what happens if the year that he made that neder was a leap year? So it wasn't a regular year of 12 months, it was a 13 month year. So, for example, somebody made a neder, and make a neder against wine that I'm not going to taste it this year. And then it's Abra Shana, the year became a leap year, says the Mishnah, He has forbidden that entire year, including the leap year month, the Adarshani, and he'd be forbidden all the way until Rosh Hashanah. And again, all of these things are dependent on Lash Adam. That's an important factor to remember. Next case, if somebody makes a nether adrosh adar until the beginning of adar, and then that year becomes a leap year, so it ends up being that there are two different months of adar. There's adar rishain and adar shaini. So if he says he's making a nether until the beginning of adar, then certainly he is forbidden adrosh adar rishain until the beginning of the first adar. If somebody refers to the month of adar without specifying which one, so it refers to the regular adar, which there is every year, and that is the first adar. But if he says at Seif Adar, until the end of Adar, 
Then he is forbidden also until Adsaif Adar Rishain, until the end of the first Adar, because that is considered to be the regular Adar. Now, it should be noted that others have a different version in our Mishnah, and read here until the end of the second Adar, which also makes sense in Loshamani Adam. When you're talking about the end of Adars, so you mean the end of all of the Adars, so that would be the end of Adar Shani. Right, now we mentioned a few Mishnahis ago the rule that if someone makes a nether until a time, let's say until Pesach, so since Pesach is a fixed amount of time, if he says the nether ad sheyeheya Pesach, until it will be Pesach, then he is forbidden also as long as it is Pesach itself. So he's forbidden until the end of Pesach. Now Rabbi Huda says there are certain exceptions, and that is based on what exactly the neder is. If there are other factors which we need to take into account, which imply otherwise, then we go according to them. And therefore if somebody makes a neder against wine, wine which I taste until it will be Pesach, should be like a carbon, should be forbidden upon me as a neder. Even though he said until it will be Pesach, Says Rehuda in also Elo Adlea Pesach, he is only forbidden until the first night of Pesach. Because this person only intended to forbid himself to have wine until the time where people generally have wine. And there is a mitzvah on the first night of Pesach to have four cups of wine. So it's true that he said Achiehea Pesach, but we can use our common sense to understand that his intention is to be forbidden only until that time when everybody has wine. Mr. Vav, on a similar note, If somebody made a neder not to taste meat until it will be the fast, referring to the fast of Yom Kippur, so since he said he would generally be forbidden until the end of Yom Kippur. However, people would all have the custom to have a meat meal just before the fast of Yom Kippur. It's a mitzvah to eat and to have a meal on Yom Kippur, on Erev Yom Kippur. And the custom was that just before Yom Kippur began, everybody would have a meat meal. And therefore, in Osa Elad he's only forbidden until just before the night of the fast of Yom Kippur, meaning until the afternoon of Erev Yom Kippur, when he would have that last meal with meat. Because this person only intended to be forbidden to have meat until the time where the custom of people would be to have meat. Now these last two laws which we have seen, the Mishnah said that it's according to Yehuda. Although everybody agrees that in general we do take the context into account, we saw a Mishnah in the previous parak where somebody comes holding large loads of wool, he carried it a long way, and he made a nether never to allow wool to come upon him again, and the Mishnah said that he is permitted to wear woolen garments. Because even though according to the literal translation of his neder, that might include clothes as well, it is clear from the context that he is only forbidding himself to carry the wool. So the Chachom, everybody really agrees that we do use the context to define what exactly is included in the neder. However, in these couple of cases, it's only Rabbi Yehuda who says it. Why? Because since this person added Ad he didn't just say until the fast. He said until it will be the fast. That added word does imply that he wants to be forbidden for the day of the fast as well. And that's why they argue, whereas Rabbi Yehuda says that we take pres- the context takes precedence, and we assume that his intention is only to be forbidden until the beginning of Pesach, or until just before the fast. Alright, now Rabbi Yossi Benoi Oimeh, Rabbi Yossi, the son of Rabbi Yehuda, says a third case, and there's a discussion whether Rabbi Yehuda agrees or not, 
If somebody makes a neder, kodam shum sheini toyam ad shabbos. A neder against eating or tasting garlic until it will be shabbos. And also, elad leila shabbos, he is only forbidden until Friday night, until the Friday night shabbos meal. Because this person only f- intended to forbid himself until the time that it is customary to eat garlic. And there is an ancient custom, going back to even earlier than the times of the Mishnah, for people to eat garlic on Friday night during the Shabbos meal. And according to Sam, Rabbi Yehuda does not agree with his son in this case, because there's no mitzvah involved over here. In the previous two cases, there are mitzvahs. So that's another reason to explain that his intention is only to be forbidden until the time that he has to have wine or he has to have meat. We don't assume that he wants to make a neder to go against the mitzvah. But in this case, where there's no mitzvah to eat garlic, it's not an obligation. Although it was a custom and there was value in it, but it's not an obligation and therefore there is more reason to assume that he does indeed want to be forbidden for the entire Shabbos as well. Mishnah Zion, this last mission of the Perak continues the theme of using the context in order to define the neder. Ho'emilach Averon, who says to his friend, Reuven says to Shimon, I'm making a neder that I'm not going to benefit from you. If you do not come and take and accept a gift of mine for the sake of your children, a very large gift, an entire kur, which is a very large amount of wheat, and two barrels of wine. Perhaps Shimon had done Reuven a very big favor, or multiple favors, and Reuven wants to pay him back by giving him this gift. And in order to pressurize him to accept the gift, he says that I'm making a nether that I'm never going to accept something from you if you don't accept this from me. Says the Mishnah, This person is able to annul his vow and to make his vow invalid even without going to a Chacham. We'll learn in the next Perek in detail that there is a concept of Haforas Nadorim of annulling a vow by going to a Chacham and we'll see details over there. But this Mishnah is telling us then in this case, we don't even require a chacham. If Shimon will say to Ruvain, Shimon says to Ruvain, All that you said and offered me is only in order to honor me. This is my honor. Just the fact that you offered me such a big gift and people hear that you are offering me such a big gift, that already is a big honor for me. Alternatively, he might claim that it's an even bigger honor for me that you're offering me a gift and I'm saying that I'm not, I'm not going to receive it. It's as if I'm too good for your gifts. That could be an even bigger honor. Alternatively, it's praiseworthy for one not to accept gifts. So that in itself is an honor. The point is, I've received honor already from this situation which you have created by your offer to give me the gifts. And so I don't, I don't need to actually receive the gifts in order to receive that honor. And it's clear that the reason why you said it in the form of a neder is also to honor me. Not that you actually wanted to make a neder against getting benefit from me. And in that case, the neder indeed will not obligate him and not forbid him. And it would be an invalid neder. On a similar note, Vachena Imelachaver is similarly one who says to his friend, I'm making a neder that you may not benefit from me. If you don't come and give my son a gift of a cur of wheat and two barrels of wine, perhaps in this case it was the opposite. He was complaining that he was doing so many gifts for Shimon that it's about time that Shimon did something for him. Rameir says, in this case, indeed he would be forbidden to benefit from Ruvain until he gives him that gift. 
There is discussion whether Meir argues in the first case as well, or perhaps specifically in this case, where there is more likelihood that Reuven is being serious about the neder. On the other hand, even in this case, Reuven is able to annul his vow, even without going to a Chacham, and he should say to Shimon, I look at it, from my point of view, it's as if I've received the gift from you already, I'm happy and content, and I'm no longer feeling in the need of a gift from you. And if he says that, then indeed, Shimon will be, for- will be permitted to benefit from Reuven. Alright, continues the Mishnah with another example where we see that the context helps to define the neder. Although most of one's close relatives one is forbidden to marry, it is permitted to marry one's niece. That is probably the closest relative who one is permitted even on a Madrabonon level to marry. And in fact it's considered to be a mitzvah to marry a close relative. The Pasuk says, You won't ignore one who is part of your flesh, somebody who is close to you, closely related. And so it's considered to be a good thing to marry one's niece. And so we have a situation where his family members or other people were pressurizing him to marry his niece, his sister's daughter. And of course the same would apply to any other woman, but this is a common case. The Omar and he said, he declared, I'm making a neder that she cannot benefit from me forever. Of course, if a woman can't benefit from her husband, then they can't be married. So in order to escape from this situation, he makes a neder that she won't be able to benefit from him. The Chedam is Ishtai, similarly one who divorces his wife. The Oman, he declares, I'm making a neder against my wife benefiting from me forever. In both of these cases, these women are permitted to benefit from this man because it is clear to all that this person only intended to forbid the benefit of marriage. He doesn't care if she benefits from him, he just wants to get out of marrying her or remarrying her. And therefore, though they are forbidden to get married, she would be able to benefit from him in other ways. On a similar note, if somebody was trying to pressurize and convince his friend to eat with him, and in order to get out of it, his friend Omar, he said, I'm making a note that I'm not going to enter your house. I'm not going to taste a drop of your water, says the Mishnah. It is permitted for his friend to enter into his house, and to drink water, cold water, from him. Because again, because it's clear that he only intended to forbid the benefit of food and drink and a proper meal, which is what his friend was trying to convince him to come for. Now, whether he is indeed forbidden to have a proper meal at Reuven's house is a matter of discussion. According to some, even that will be permitted, since it's true that that was his intention, but he didn't actually say that. We had a similar Mishnah early on in the Masechta, where if it's clear that somebody intends, when he says a neder, for something else, so he won't be forbidden in anything, because that which he said he didn't intend for, and that's clear to everybody, and that which he intended for, he didn't say. And so in this case as well, according to many, he would also be permitted to have a proper meal at Reuven's house. Now, just in terms of the structure of the Masechta, we have now really completed five and a half parakim worth of a discussion of what is included in Nadarim. If one makes a neder against a particular thing, what is included based on Loshem Bnei Adam, we had three and a half parakim discussing that, the last of which was mainly focused on the deadlines of the Nadarim. 
And within those five and a half prokem, there were also two prokem, which discuss what's included in the prohibition of a neder, based on not Lashem B'nei Odom, but what's considered a significant enough benefit that it's prohibited by a neder. Now we move on to the third section of the Masechta, the first section, which was the first two and a half prokem, that was about making the neder, how exactly a neder is made. Then we had those five and a half prokem, and now the last three prokem of the Masechta discuss annulling a vow. Now there are two very different ways in which a vow can be annulled. One is known as Hatoras Nadorim, and that is the focus of this Perek, Perek Tes, and that is when anybody makes a neder, they can go to a Talmud Chacham if they regret making the neder, they can go to a Talmud Chacham, and they can say, I didn't realize all of the consequences of this neder. And the Talmud Chacham can find a Pesach, which refers to a particular consequence of the neder, which the person who made the neder didn't really think about at the time that he made the neder. The Talmud Chacham would ask him, had you realized that such and such would be a result of your neder, would you have made the neder? And if that person says, no, I wouldn't have made the neder, and he really regrets having done so, then the Talmud Chacham can annul and permit his vow. And that is the focus of this perek. The final two prokem of the Masechta discuss the second type of annulling vows known as Haforas Nadorim, and that is not done by Talmud Chacham, it is only done by a father or a husband for the woman's vows. And when we reach there, we'll discuss that in more detail. Be as it may, this parent will go through many different consequences or possible results of a neder, and whether that will be a valid Pesach, which the Chochom can use in order to annul the vow. Rebeliezer says, The Chochom can use the honor of the person who made the neder, the honor of that person's father and mother, as a Pesach. Meaning, he would say to the person, had you realized at the time that you made the neder that people would start disgracing and shaming and thinking badly of your parents, criticizing them for having raised a child who is not careful with Nadorim. In general, we're going to see in this perech that it's not considered to be a good thing in general to make Nadorim. You're adding on prohibitions onto yourself. If you violate it, then it's now considered an Avera. Before you made the neder, if I eat apples, it's totally permitted. Now that I make a neder against eating apples, if I eat apples, I'm doing an Avera. So in general, it's not considered to be a good thing to make a neder. So the Pesach we're talking about is where the Chacham says to him, had you realized that you're making a neder, since it is not a good thing, has brought dishonor to your parents, would you have made the neder? And if he says no and he regrets it, then that is a valid Pesach. However, the Chacham forbid this, because the Chacham are concerned that even if somebody doesn't really care about the honor of his parents, he might be embarrassed to tell the Talmud Chacham that he doesn't care. So if the Talmud Chacham asks him, had you known that it would bring dishonor to your parents, would you have made a neder? So it could be that he really would have made a neder, but he'd be embarrassed to tell the Talmud Chacham that. So he would tell him that, no, I wouldn't have made the neder, and Talmud Chacham would permit the neder based on this false information. Right, now Rabbi Omar Rabbi Tzodok, Rabbi Tzodok said in order to support the opinion of the Chachomim against Rabbi Yezer, until you start bringing a Pesach of the honor of his father and mother, you should use a Pesach of the honor of Hashem. 
as we said, it's not considered to be a good thing to make Nadarim. So according to your logic, Eliezer, you should also be able to use the Pesach in pretty much every neder, that had you realized this, that it wasn't a good thing to make a neder, and that you're dishonoring Hashem, would you have made a neder? And if that person says no, then that would also be a good Pesach. However, even you, Eliezer, agree that that is not a good Pesach. Why? Because you agree that people would lie. If the Chacham asks him, if you would have known that you're dishonoring Hashem, would you have made a neder? He wouldn't be so rude as to say that, yeah, I wouldn't care about that. So if in that case he would lie, he would also lie about the honor of his parents. However, and the next part of the Mishnah is really a reply to Reb Tzadik, saying that his argument is not a correct one, because it's different. When it comes to the honor of Hashem, if that would be a Pesach, then in Cain ain't Nadorim. If so, there wouldn't be any Nadorim. And what that really means is there wouldn't be any Nadorim which are annulled in a proper way. Meaning, people would stop going to a Chocham at all to annul a Neder. Since the point about dishonoring Hashem is applicable to every single neder, people would think, there's no point in me going to a Talmud Chacham. I know this is a good Pesach, I'll annul the vow for myself, and I'll be permitted. Now, of course, this doesn't work. In order to do Hatras Nadarim, one requires a Chacham, and he can't do it for himself. But people would think, there's no point in me going to a Chacham. Since this Pesach is applicable for every neder, so I know already that this will be a valid Pesach. And he'll think that he is allowed to permit and annul the vow himself. So people will stop going to a Chochom to annul it. Whereas when it comes to the Pesach of the honor of one's parents, that's not necessarily relevant to every single neder. So people would still end up coming to a Chochom, and therefore that can be used as a Pesach according to Rebeliezer. Alright, and the Mishnah ends off, Umoidim Chachom and Rebeliezer, the Chachom agree with Rebeliezer, when it comes to a neder which is made between him and his parents, meaning if he made a neder against his parents benefiting from him, in that case, he can use a Pesach of the honor of his parents, because since he made a neder against his parents, we see that he's not afraid of dishonoring his parents. So if the Chacham asks him, had you known that it would have brought such anguish and such dishonor to your parents more than you thought at the beginning, would you have made the neder? If he says, no, I wouldn't have made the neder, then he is trusted. Because we can see that if he wanted to dishonor his parents, he's happy to do so. And therefore, by saying that I would not have made the neder, had I realized how much dishonor it would bring them, he is believed, and that would be a valid Pesach, even according to the Chachomim.